team's amazing. They've done an amazing job, and good to have Mel back. And Judah in the house. Well, must be out with Dad right now. <laughs> Stephanie came up during worship, and it's so cool how the Lord works. I love how the Lord will confirm His Word. And when uh, Mel shared about uh, what she had shared before and said she just felt like we should go back into that song, Stephanie came up to me, and Psalms 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of, a mi- out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. And He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Uh, But verse 3 says this, And he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. As I was studying uh, yesterday, one of the passages of Scripture the Lord uh, put in my heart was Psalms 108. Psalms 108 says, says, Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. Some people said, Oh glory. He said, I will awaken the dawn. He said, I'm going to worship. I'm going to wake up the morning. Some of you will get that when you wake up. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand, and hear me. And uh, it goes on, and it talks about, uh, he says, I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manesh is mine. And uh, I want to, right here in verse 7, it says this. He says, I will rejoice. I will divide uh, Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkah. Gilead is mine. Manesh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Over Philistia, uh, Philistia, I will triumph. Who will lead me? Who will bring me into a strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off, and you, O God, who did not go out uh, with our go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is He who shall tread down our enemies. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is He. He says in verse seven here. He says, "I will rejoice." That word "rejoice" means to jump with joy and exult. He said, I will divide Shechem. Shechem is this, it's the place of burdens. Shechem literally means the place of burdens. So he said, I will jump for joy, I will exult, because you're going to divide, you're going to conquer my burdens. Isn't that good? That's the promise of the Lord. And I thought it was amazing how uh, 
Stephanie had the word about uh, in Psalms 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. And then Psalms 108 says, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awaken lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. So the theme here is I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship the Lord. In the midst of what doesn't look like I want it to look, I'm going to praise the Lord. And he said that you, I waited patiently for you. You inclined to me and you heard my cry and brought me out of the horrible pit. And you set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. And then he says he put a new song in my mouth. As I was open this morning, I talked about Exodus chapter 24. In Exodus 24, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may uh, teach them. Listen to verse 13. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up to the, into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So we see here, this is... Uh, the second mention of, in Exodus 17 is the first mention of Joshua. Here we see it, uh, it's mentioned a few times in Exodus 17, but here he's mentioned again. But the thing that I saw when I was looking at this is the Lord said to Moses, come up to me and be with me. Come up to, this, come up to me on this mountain and be there. I shared that as we started. And what the Lord was just speaking to my heart is it's so easy for us to do a thing instead of be with him. It's so easy to just, to just do what we do because that's what we do instead of being with him. And he told Moses, he said, you come up with me and be there. And to me, I mean, that may seem like I'm dragging it out, but that was so profound that God's desire for Moses was just to be there with him. And Moses said, okay, I'll come and I'm going to bring Joshua with me. Now, Joshua in Exodus 17, we see Joshua that... Uh, the Lord told Joshua, he said, choose us some men and let's go to war. And we can turn there. Uh, Exodus 17. We're going to spend some time in Exodus this morning. You know, I think as I was praying into this, uh, as I was praying into this, I was like, Lord, why Exodus? <laughs> you know, I love the Bible. I love all of the Bible. But the Lord, I really feel like there's a word that the Lord has for us today and that's Exodus. You know what Exodus was? Everybody know what Exodus was? It was leaving the bondage and coming into what God had promised them. It was leaving the things that had held them back, that had oppressed them and held them down, and stepping into the promise that God had for them. And I feel the Lord is doing the same for us. He's saying, it's Exodus. You're coming out of that time of burden, that time of sorrow, and that's what it was. I mean, we don't understand. It's amazing to me. The children of Israel, they started 
in the wilderness and they got over into doubt and unbelief, they started complaining and said, we should just go back to Egypt. You know why they were delivered out of Egypt? Because God went to Moses and said, I've heard the cries of my people. I've heard the cries of my people. But see, it didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like, so they were ready to quit and go back. See, God got them out of Exodus, but he, did, he, he couldn't get Exodus out of them. I mean, got them out of Egypt, but couldn't get Egypt out of them. They had to make a choice to get Egypt out of them. And we have to make that same choice that we're going to get Egypt out of us. That's a wrong belief system that's looking at what's always been. Maybe it's what you've always known, and, and you expect it to be that way from now on, but only you can set that. You know, I go back to where I shared out of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, over and over in there, he talks about may, may, may. And may means possibility, and it also means permission. As I've been meditating on that, and we, we may look at that in a few moments, but as I've been just staying there, because I want to be there with him. Do you understand? What I mean is I don't want to just get something and move on past it. I want to be there with him. One of the things that was so powerful Friday night, we, we came in from the beach Friday, and we got in a little late, and, but I came up to the Love Says Go anyway, and uh, we were late. And the one thing that he said that was so powerful uh, to me is he talked about when he was in Mozambique and he prayed for this. They were in a, a, a school for the deaf, I, I think is what it was. Is that right? Deaf and mute. And uh, it was, um, was it Chad or Chris? Oh, Chad uh, Deadman. And he said he went up to this first little boy and said there was a line of them. He was there and he was going to pray Pray for me. He went up to this first little boy, and he prayed for this little boy, and his ears opened. And he said, when his ears opened, tears started running down the little boy's face, and he said, tears started running down his face. And he said, the little boy beside him, you could tell, was anxious for him to pray for him too. And he said, there was that on the inside of me that I need to hurry and get to this next kid. And he said, but all of a sudden, I don't remember, I don't can't articulate exactly like he said it. But pretty much he said, no, I'm not going to rush past what God's done. He said, he said to the Lord, Lord, I want this to cut deep into my heart so I never forget this. And so as I've been spending time with the Lord, and he's been saying what he said to Moses is, come up on the mountain and be there. I want you to be there. I don't want you to rush in and do another thing. I want you to be there. Ha, listen, Exodus 33, we're going to probably go there in a minute. I know I'm giving a lot, but I'm just full. And I got to speak last week too, <laughs> so it's not like I've been a week without speaking. In Exodus 33, Genesis, I mean, Exodus 24 and 25, uh, 24, we see Moses going up on the mountain, and he's there 40 days. And then uh, in the next few chapters, it talks about God gives him the blueprint for the tabernacle and what it's going to look like while he's there in the presence of the Lord. But in Exodus 33, we see a lot has passed, and God's given the blueprint for the tabernacle, and they, and they, they erect the tabernacle. And it was God's idea. You understand? God told Moses, I'm going to give you a blueprint for a tabernacle so that I can meet with my people. And it says here in, in uh, wow, in Exodus, we're just in Exodus, okay? Exodus chapter 24, in verse 16, it says, Now the glory of the Lord rested on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, 
That word rested there, it means abode. It's Shekinah. You know, back in the day, in the early charismatic days, we used to sing Shekinah glory. Won't you come? Y'all remember that? Shekinah glory. But that was the manifested presence, the abode, the abiding presence. And it's even called the kabod, the weighty presence of God would come. We see it when Moses dedicated the tabernacle. When he dedicated the tabernacle, it said a cloud filled the place, and it was so heavy that they couldn't stand to minister. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the same thing happened. The presence of God, the kabod, the weighty presence of God came in so strong that the priests couldn't even stand to minister. It doesn't mean they didn't like it. I couldn't stand to do that. It wasn't that. It was they couldn't stand under the presence of the Lord. The weighty presence of the Lord. And he told Moses, he said, come up on the mountain. And when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud of his presence, the Shekinah glory settled on the mountain. And if you keep reading there, it says Moses was there six days. Guess who was with him? Joshua. Joshua was with him. We don't have an account of what all they saw inside the cloud, but the children of Israel could see them in the cloud. They saw them go up, and they were in the cloud. They were in the presence. You know what they were? They were there. That's where I want to be. I want to be there. Where's there? Be there with him. That's where I want to be. I don't want to rush through those things. I want to allow, just like Chad Demon said, I want to allow, when I have these encounters with the living God, I want them to um, impact my heart in such a way that it's not just, oh, that was a warm fuzzy. Because I believe we can get caught up in an experience, looking for an experience, but not allow the experience to really have the impact that God wants to have in our lives. That we can meet with the living God. We can have an amazing worship service or we can be alone in our Bible study and we can have time with him and we can meet with him and we go, wow, that was good. Thank you, Lord. Tears run down our face. A peace comes in our heart. And then we just go out of there and we go back into life and doing a thing and we leave him and he never intended for us to leave him. That's why he said, pray without ceasing. That means commune. Without ceasing. So we don't have to stay up on a mountain with him. We can stay with him when we allow that mountain to have right place in our hearts and lives. That we don't just walk in and out of it. We go and we stay there. That we allow the the things that he's speaking in our heart to minister to us. I believe what qualified Joshua, as I said in Exodus 17, we turned there, didn't we? I think it's just funny, and it doesn't mean sin, but I think it's funny, Exodus 17, 1, it says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out their journey from the wilderness of sin. I mean, it doesn't mean like sin. Anyway, it was the name of a place. According to the commandment of the Lord, and encamped in uh, Rephidim, and there were no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people uh, contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand with you, in your hand, your rod with which you struck the river, and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you where they are on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place uh, Massah and Meribah, because the Lord content, the, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You know, it's amazing. Here's Exodus. You see him complaining, even condemning the Lord. But no judgment came because the law had not yet been given. See, what we miss sometimes is they were, they were in a period of grace right here. God brought them out. He wasn't dealing with them according to their sin. They, they came out because of what? The Passover. What was the Passover a type of? Jesus Christ. So they were walking in Christ in this particular season, in, uh, in this um, dispensation. They were walking under grace because they were complaining here. They were complaining against Moses. They were threatening to stone Moses. They were complaining against the Lord. They were the ones who cried out and said, Lord, come get us. Then the Lord brings them out, and he said, what did you do, bring us out here to die because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? I'm just amazed at that. And the Lord didn't judge them. What he did is he told Moses, he said, here's what you do. Go strike the rock. We know the second time that they needed water, God told Moses to do what? Speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He struck the rock. And what did God do? He said, because you didn't listen and you misrepresented me in front of the people, you won't enter the promised land. Why is that significant? Because the first smiting of the rock was a type of Christ. See, that's what we got to understand. The Old Testament is a beautiful picture of pointing to Jesus and what he would accomplish on the cross. And he said, you smite the rock because I will be, what did he say? You smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified, but through that, eternal life would come out of him. That's so awesome. They smote the rock and what? You know, that that goes along with John chapter 4. He said, in us, if we believe in him, he told the woman at the well, if you believe in me, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. He said, in us, when you believe in the salvation into Jesus, he said, out of you will come a well. It'll be a well of living water. John 4. Are you with me? In John chapter 7, he talked about the Spirit. It would be rivers of living water coming out of you. Now, we get into salvation because Jesus was beaten for us. But we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit simply by asking, by speaking to Jesus and asking the sin to give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those are types of what was going on with the children of Israel. So this first time, he said, go smite the rock. And I, and I didn't look it up before today, and I, I wish I would have now. I forget. It was like most scholars say it was over a million people at this point when they came out of Exodus. He, and you counting livestock and everything, he hit a rock, and enough water came out for everyone and every animal. Is that amazing to anybody other than me? That there's, they're in the desert. Moses takes his stick, hits a rock, and water starts gushing out of the rock, enough for the whole lot of them. Uh, verse 8. This is where I was wanting to go. Now, Amalek came and fought uh, with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Listen. 
when Moses said, when God came to Moses, he was out in the wilderness and he went by, he was walking by and he saw what? A burning bush, right? And Moses turned again to see the bush. So Moses, you know what? He was there from the beginning. He didn't just blast by it. He went back to see this bush that was burning but not consumed. And as he went to this bush and spent time there at the bush, God spoke to him. And there's a series of events. God says, take, the, take this rod and you'll go. He said, how am I going to tell them? How am I going to get the children of Israel out? This is Todd's annotated version, okay? Kind of shorten it down some. He said, how am I going to get them out? He said, who am I say sent me? He said, you say I am sent you. I am that I am. And then he went and he said, what am I going to He said, take that, the rod that's in your hand. But here... It says, it's the rod of God. It was his rod, and he gave it to the Lord, and it became the rod of God. Come on. He took what he had, what he was familiar with, what he was used to using. He was a shepherd, right? He was out in the wilderness with the sheep. He used his rod. He had a a purpose for his rod. He used it, but God said, if you'll submit it to to me, it'll become mine in your hand. And the same thing is, is with our lives. What God's asking is, what do you have? Not what you don't have, but what do you have that you're willing to give to me that it can become mine and I can give it back to you? So he said, he goes and the Lord tells him, see verse 5, and the Lord said to Moses, let's look at this again, I don't want us to miss it. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders and take in your hand, What? Your rod, right? Now, we go back here, and Moses said to Joshua, come to us. You see, was it the same rod? But who, whose perspective changed? Moses's. Once he saw God use him. Just like I said from Friday night, Chad said, I wanted that to burn to cut into my heart, cut deep into my heart so that I wouldn't forget this. Here's Moses. You know what? If anybody knew who Moses was, he did. Are you with me? Moses knew his weaknesses. He knew his strengths. He knew uh, his life experience. He was brought up in Pharaoh's house, and he killed a man. You know, I just want to say this. If you feel like, well, I've done too much. God can't use me. Look at the motley crew God has used. Adulterers, murderers. That's who he's used. Now, he doesn't condone that, nor does he justify that. But he said, I can use, all that he has is us. And there was only one perfect, and that was Jesus. So he's chosen to use us. But here's Moses. This is familiar to him. He gives to God. And what's so precious about that, it's the same rod. But now, it's not a familiar thing to him. It's a precious thing to him. Oh, come on. That's so good. If we give it to the Lord, it may have been something that we're familiar with. You know what? It may have been a a weakness or a struggle. It may have been uh, something that you fought with that the enemy's tried to use as a stumbling block to you. And when you give it to the Lord, the Lord says, now I can sanctify it. I can make it precious to you and to me. Because now it's not what you hide behind. Now it's what you use for me. That's good. That's so good. He said, the rod of God in his hand. So Joshua did, as Moses said to him, verse 10, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and set it under, under him. And he sat on it, and Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So here's Joshua. He says, God says, Moses tells Joshua, go get us some men so we can go to war. <laughs> Don't you like that? Go get us some men so we can go to war. I'm going on the mountain. You go fight. <laughs> you know, like when you're working for someone, they go, we got to do this. You go, wait a minute. Who's the we? Well, the we's really you, but it's got to get done, so we got to do this. Y'all ever had any of those we's? I've had lots of those. And working in construction, we did a lot. And we was me. <laughs> he just turned the W upside down. It came me. That's who did it. But Moses said, Moses said, we choose us some men and we're going to go to war. Here's what's so awesome. I think God branded Joshua right here. Because what's amazing is what happened with Moses up on the mountain, as long as his hands were up, they were winning. But what happened to Moses? He got what? He got weary. He got tired. And when he got weary and tired, his arms would begin to fall. So what he did is he put a rock. He sat down on the rock, and Aaron and her stood beside him, and they held his hands up. So what's so beautiful about that, it's not Aaron and her with their hands up like this going, well, this stinks. Moses just gets to relax, and we got to hold his. What happened? He sat down, and they just stood beside him and held him, held his hands up. But what's so amazing is Moses is sitting on a rock with people holding his hands up, and Joshua's all day in the valley fighting. And he fought all day long. While Joshua sat on a rock and had his hand, I mean, while Moses sat on a rock and had his hands held up. I don't know about you, but me, that would have been something that cut deep into my heart if I was Joshua. Not just that we got the battle, the victory that the Lord said we was going to get, but that all day long I was able to fight. One, not get killed. Two, not be weary. And then for the Lord to say, I want you to make a book. Of, I want you to write this down, and I want you to tell it in Joshua's ears so that he can hear. Because of what he's done today, his willingness today. See, Joshua took what was in his hand. At the time, it was a sword. And he went out, and he said, I'm going to do what the Lord has called us to do. I want to do what the Lord has called us to do. And he went out, and all day long he fought. I mean, I think it's amazing that Aaron and her was there. And God used them too. Also, if we look in uh, Exodus 24, I keep wanting to go to Genesis. I don't know why. But Exodus 24, we see that when Moses and Joshua went up on the mountain, he said, look, I'm going to leave behind Aaron and her, and if you have any questions, you go to them. You know why? Why did he choose them? Because they were the ones that all of Israel saw on the mountain holding up Moses' arms. 
So they knew that, he was, that they were close to Moses. You know why? They would have the heart of Moses. Moses said, I don't want you to just go to anyone. I want you to go to people who have my heart. Man, that's so important. That's so important. In this life that you have people who you have their heart and they have your heart. See, that's the difference. Religion has come in, and religion says, just go to church and do your thing. And the whole time, God from the beginning is saying, no, I'm all about relationship. I want you to do life with people. I don't want you to just do life even in and out of relationship with me. I want you to do life with people. You know what's so beautiful about that? As we learn how to love one another, we reflect his love. When we try to do it secluded and separated, we're deceiving ourselves. There's no model of that in Scripture. There's no model of that in the heart of God. God's heart was to fellowship and commune with his people. That's what he wanted to do here when we see in Exodus, when he went up on the mountain. They saw and they said, man, we don't want it. Moses, you go talk to God and just tell it. You tell us everything he says and we'll do it. How arrogant. They said, we'll do everything he tells us to do. You go meet with God because he scares us. You know what's sad? That same mentality is in the church today. Amen. People go, we'll go to church and let the man of God give us the word of God. So because, you know, spending time with God, that's kind of weird and it's kind of scary sometimes because what I've been taught about who God is. And the problem is we don't know who he is. Here, he's revealing his heart. 24, then we're going to go to 33. Because I want to look at this again. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. In verse 13, so Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And the elders, uh, and he said to the elders, wait here till we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are here, are with you. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. You know what's amazing here? I've never heard this taught. I've never taught it. But we don't have an account of Joshua coming down either, right? When Moses went up on the mountain, who did he take with him? Joshua went with him. Moses was up, and Joshua up in the cloud. Then Moses went up a little higher. God called him up a little higher. Now, why is that significant? Because I want you to turn to Exodus 33. If you don't already have your finger there. So they've been from... Where we were uh, in 24, there, Exodus 24, to here to 33. It says, Then Moses said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go from here, go up from here. And you and the people you have uh, brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To you, to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Aren't you glad you're not a knight? Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, and I, will not, and I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard the bad news, 
They mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You're a stiff-necked people. I could, I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may uh, know what, you, what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Moses, verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. You know what's so beautiful about this? Where it says outside the camp. When Jesus was crucified, he was taken outside of Israel. He was taken outside of the camp. And there's references made just as the tabernacle was outside the camp. What was the tabernacle? It was the place they met with God. He said, even so, the Son of Man was taken outside the camp. And because of the crucifixion, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have fellowship with God. That's so awesome. He said, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And you've got to understand, what's so uh, beautiful about this <clears throat> is when they set up camp, if you stood on a mountain and looked at the camp, the way... The order they told them to set up the tribes around the tabernacle from a distance, looking from a mountain down at the, the children of Israel encamped around the tabernacle, it looked like a cross. It looked like a cross because the, the less number of tribes went to the, to the north, the same amount went to the east and the west, and the larger number went to the south. So when you look at the tabernacle facing east, it's a cross. Isn't that beautiful? It's a cross. So Moses sets the, ta the tabernacle up outside the camp. And the people stood at their tents and they watched Moses go into the tabernacle, into the place of meeting. They would watch Moses go into the place of meeting. Listen, verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to, camp, to the camp. Listen. This is so awesome. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. See, who took the children of Israel into the promised land? Joshua. And uh, you can look in Joshua chapter 1, and I was going to go there. I don't know that we will for time's sake. But in Joshua chapter 1, it's when he's taking them in, and the Lord speaks to Joshua, and and tells him not to let the, the book of the law to depart, but to meditate in it day and night. And then he will make his way successful, and uh, whatever he does will prosper. When Joshua set his eyes on the Lord and kept his eyes on the Lord, the Lord said, I'll make your way prosperous. But here, what's so beautiful about this to me, and I've been meditating on this passage for over a week now. In verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. 
So here's the picture. Again, Joshua and Moses. It didn't say that Joshua went with him, did it? No. It says Moses went to the tabernacle to worship. And when he would go in to worship, said the cloud of the presence of the Lord. I think Joshua, that was, a, that was not a familiar place in the aspect that it didn't have reverence, but it was a place that he longed to be in since he had been on the mountain. That it was something that marked him for life. It wasn't a church meeting. It was the presence of the living God. My heart's cry today, if you had not heard anything I've said, my heart's cry for us is that we be a people marked by the presence of God. Because as we become marked by His presence, we understand who we are in Him. I think Joshua's identity was clearer in the cloud than it was anywhere else. Because he was in the presence of the living God. And he knew who his God was and he knew who he was. That's what his heart beat for. But here it says Moses would go in he would worship. He would talk with God face to face. And you know what? We're not under the old covenant. We can commune with God face to face. Hebrews said that we can come boldly into his throne room by the blood of the Lamb. Because of what Jesus did, we can boldly come in and meet with him. Why is all this important? Because if we, as we, not if, as we stir in our hearts a passion just to be with him, not to come to church, not to be good in this ministry or that ministry, or not to have my name on this title or that title, but just to be with him. As that becomes the passion of our heart, we'll be a people marked by the presence of God. And wherever we go, it'll make a difference. There'll be battles that seem long, but the victory will be sweet because the Lord fought it. And I believe the Lord will go back and say, I want to write a memorial. You remember when you went through this, you felt like you wasn't ever going to get through it. But I was there the whole time. I was there. And because you were willing to stay there and be there with me, you've come through in this victory. I didn't say it was easy. You know, that was what distracted the children of Israel when it came time to come into the promised land. They went into the promised land. He sent... You know, I think it's cool. Uh, it's, it's still early. I think this is so cool, right? So Moses picks out how many men to go in and spy out the promised land. Twelve, right? God sends 12 men, uh, and Joshua and Caleb were two of those 12, right? They came back. Ten had a, a bad report, uh, a negative report, which the Bible said was a bad report against God. But two had a good report, Joshua and Caleb. They said, we're well able. Why do you think Joshua was so excited? Why do you think Joshua knew that they were able? Do you think Joshua didn't see the same giants that they saw? No. You think that Joshua didn't, that he just went in and said, oh, I'm believing God. I'm just believing God. I refuse to look at. Well, and I'm going to tell you, that's a place I've been in my life before. When you're in the midst of something, sometimes you just don't want to look. You don't want to see. You don't want to know. So you just go, I'm not going to look. I know God's able. I'm not going to look. Joshua didn't go in with his eyes closed. He saw it. But what he saw was different because he wasn't looking at it from a perspective that the ten were. The ten said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so are we in theirs. 
they already saw themselves as defeated. They saw themselves like bugs that needed to be squished. But Joshua, who is this Joshua? This is the Joshua in 17, Exodus 17, that we see that all day long he fought a battle and defeated all the Amalekites. All day long he fought a battle. This is the Joshua who when Moses would go in the tabernacle, the, uh, the tent of meeting in Exodus 33 there, Moses would go in and he would worship. The presence of God would come down in the place. I'm just saying, that's an old covenant, people. That was a shadow and a type. I, I pray and I say, God, I want that same cloud to come. I want the cloud to come to fill the room with your presence. Your Shekinah glory. You know what's amazing? Is we've got the presence of God in us. We're the tabernacle of God. Moses would go into the tabernacle. God went into us. We are that tabernacle, that place of meeting. And as we connect in that intimate relationship with him, and as that grows, our, our tent comes cloudy. And then when all these cloudy tents get together... It changes the whole atmosphere in the room. This Joshua, one of the 12, he said, we're well able. You know why? Because of this, I believe because of this right here, Exodus 33. Moses would go into the presence of the Lord, and he would meet with God, and God would talk to him face to face, and Joshua was there. And Moses would leave, and Joshua would stay. He was hungry for the presence of the Lord. And you know what that brought to him? A reality of who the Lord was. Joshua got to know his father. And because he got to know his father, when he looked at the giants, he said, they're bread to us. I'm so thankful. Joshua's mentality, I believe, was I'm so thankful God put giants in the land because they build bigger houses. They grow bigger fruit. We don't have to go in these little shanties. They're giants. They pick up, it take 10 men to pick up one rock. They pick up and just set it down. Joshua said, that's how good the Lord is. He used giants to build my house. I'm ready for it. He used giants to build my house. Build my house. I'm ready for it. So Joshua, because of his time with the Lord, said, we're well able. Here's what I was going to say earlier. You know what's so amazing about that? So Moses chose 12. In Joshua chapter 1, when, when they're getting ready to go into the promised land, when the Lord says, you're getting ready to cross over this river, and you're going to go in. And Joshua, you know how many men Joshua chose? He chose two. <laughs> Moses chose 12. Two turned out good. Joshua said, I'm, I got a 50-50 chance everything's going to go right. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, read it. Joshua chose two men, sent them in, said, go spy out the land. The two spies, they went in. You know what? They went in, and they're the ones that were, uh, was it Rahab? Went into Rahab's house. She let them down through the window. And uh, so when they, they fought the battle of Jericho there, all the walls fell, but her house didn't. Isn't that amazing? Because their house were built, were built in the wall. Their houses were built in the wall. Everything fell but hers. Well, it was coincidence. No, that was the hand of God. Again, look at who God uses. She was a harlot. Wow. And God used her to save those two spies who went in. 
But God gave a blueprint to Joshua. He said, here's what I want you to do. This first city belongs to me. Everything in it belongs to me. And the way you're going to get it is with your shout. Come on, look at the beauty of this. Who is Joshua? What did Joshua do with the Amalekites? He fought all day long, and he killed them. Now the Lord says, yep, I know that's familiar, but you gave it to me. Now I want to do it differently. Come on. Man, that was for me, right? I preached the whole message for that. <clears throat> because what was familiar to him, God said, yep, you know how to do it that way, but I want to do it a different way. So what I want you to do is just march around and don't say a thing. All right, the flip side of that, that was probably real easy for Joshua. You think? No. No. Why? Because Joshua was the man who fought all day long with his hands and killed the enemy. Joshua was thinking, no, Lord, just you open the door, let me go in. We got this. I'm ready. All the murmuring and complaining I've heard, I'm ready to kill something. Just let me in the door and we'll get it done. And the Lord said, no, but Joshua... Because of a heart set apart from worship. He said, all right, Lord, we'll do it your way. He said, I want you six days to walk around and not say anything. He said, but on the seventh day, you're going to shout. And the walls are going to come down. Oh, man. How could Joshua do that? I believe it's because Joshua had addicted himself to the presence of God. To the voice of the Lord. God, I want what you want and I want nothing else. And it wasn't just something that he held as a novel idea. It was something that he held as a, as a belief that he practiced in his life. You saw Moses went to the tabernacle of meeting. The presence of God came. The visible. You know what's so amazing about that? When you read that in Exodus 33 there, it says that the cloud would come down. When Moses would go in the tent, he would meet with God face to face. Everybody else would stand at their doors and worship. They recognized God is here. God is here. But Joshua said, yeah, he's here, and he's right here. And that's where I want to be. I believe as we pursue intimacy with him above everything else, above a gift and a calling, Josh uh, Jones is... And with our toddlers this morning, he's teaching. He said, he felt like he had a word that he said, I, I saw like a, a, a vision of people walking by the front and the Lord just handing out gifts. The Lord just handing out. He said, and it was like, and he had no idea. I didn't even get a chance to tell him what I was sharing on the day because uh, it was after prayer this morning and he was going in there and he just pulled me aside. He said, he wanted to tell me. He said, it was like weapons, but it was like they're gifting. I mean, you can, clarify, you can check with him if you don't believe me. Hopefully you believe me. You can check with him. But he said it was like the Lord just, he said, I saw the people parading by the front, and the Lord was handing out gifts. He said it was like weapons. But you know what's so amazing? When we give that to the Lord, when we say, God, here's who I am, and here's what I have, as little or as much as it is, I offer it to you. He said, I can take that gift and make it a weapon. 
and I can make it worship, whichever's needed. God says, I give that to you. Here's Joshua, because of his time with the Lord, and I feel the same with us. I believe that the word of God is clear in saying, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It says they'll speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They'll take up snakes. Now, it didn't say they would do that as part of their service. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. He said, these are the signs that follow them that believe. I believe that believers are those who spend intimacy with him, have times of intimacy with him, who allow what the Lord says to cut deep into their heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we don't just do a religious thing when we spend time with the Lord and we say, Lord, here I am. Here's all that I have. I give it to you. And the Lord says, all right, now that I have it, I'm going to give it back to you and you can use it. And you'll use it for your honor, you'll use it for my honor and my glory. Whatever your gifting is. And it, could, it doesn't have to just be one of the, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me? It could be your natural ability at work or things like that, that you're a communicator. And God says, yep, if you'll give that to me, I'll give it back to you. But when it comes back to you, it'll have my anointing on it. And you'll be able to do more with it than you ever did before. If it's administration, I'll, you'll be able to administer better than you've ever done before because you gave it to me. Now it's mine, and I give it back to you, and you can use it, and you can be blessed, and I'll be blessed because you're using what I've given you to use. See, we've made God too small. We just brought him in the church and said, well, when he blesses us, it's to be used in the church. I believe it's bigger than that. I believe we impact the world around us when we take what God's given us. We give it to him. And then we say, all right, Lord, how do you choose to use it now? I'm offering it back to you. How do you choose to use it now? And when we offer it back to him, it's a sweet-smelling savor.